Well, very good morning. Um, you might have had a similar experience to me uh, when that commissioning was going on. I was just struck by how many different places uh, God's people are in during the week. Um, those front lines uh, where, um, yeah, we can be Jesus uh, to people. Um, it's a great privilege uh, to be with you this morning uh, and open God's word uh, with you. But I don't want you to hear what I have to say this morning. I want God to be speaking, so please pray with me and let's ask him to do that. Uh, Father God, thank you for your word. We ask uh, now that as we consider it, your spirit would work powerfully through it to transform us into the image of your son. We ask you do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Lucas, do I need to wake this up again? Let me just turn it off. Okay, I think we've woken it up. Great. Uh, I want to start with a story about Maureen. Uh, Maureen is a cleaner, and uh, she's been a cleaner for as long as she can remember. Uh, in fact, her aching joints are a constant reminder uh, of the price she's paid for doing physical work for so long. Uh, her days are filled with mundane, menial tasks. She scrubs a lot of toilets, she mops a lot of floors, uh, she vacuums even more, and the dusting is just endless. Occasionally, someone will pass Maureen while she's going about her work. They don't even seem to notice her. Maureen wonders what kind of important business they must be on. And she turns her thoughts back to her cleaning. Well, the question that we're considering this morning uh, as we continue in Frontline Sundays is, how does what we do, what we do in our everyday life relate to our identity as Christians? Is God interested in what we do? Does it matter to him? Does it matter to anyone? I mean, we just read Psalm 90, uh, and when all is said and done, uh, won't our work, the things that we do, be forgotten as quickly as we will when we return to dust? Well, younger folk might wonder about, worry about finding a job that's significant, uh, that contributes. Uh, and as the years go by, we might wonder whether all of the energy and toil uh, that we've poured into our career has been worth it? Should we have done something else? Have we misspent our life? Uh, if you're studying, you might wonder whether all the hours of learning is really going to equip you for useful work. Or if you're a stay-at-home parent, you might wonder whether your contribution is really uh, needs to be more widely engaged, that your focus uh, is too narrow. And if you've left the workforce, you'll often be confronted with the question of whether society still values your contribution. Well, God has designed us for work, so these are all 
legitimate existential questions. The Colossians were a young church, uh, and they were also facing big questions. So let me give you some context. Uh, When Paul heard from Epaphras uh, that the Colossians were under pressure to turn away from trusting Jesus and that their conduct was often at odds with their new life in Christ, he wrote this letter to them. And what did he wish to convey? Paul's letter is intended to remind the Colossians of Jesus' supreme worth and what Jesus won for them. Through his death and resurrection, he reminds them that they are joined to Christ and part of the new creation. And as a result of being joined to Jesus, his lordship now touches every part of their life. In particular for the Colossians, uh, their suffering, the temptation to compromise their faith, their moral character and home life, they're all in the process of being transformed and renewed by Jesus. And in this passage, I think it's the everyday nature of Jesus' transforming work that stands out. So in verses 18 to 22, if you take a look, Paul provides examples of how being in Jesus makes a difference in everyday life. The examples cover pretty much everyone in the Colossian church that would have been there and listened to Paul's letter read out. He addresses wives, husbands, children, fathers, and slaves. And it's likely that many, if not all, of the Colossians church would have been slaves or household servants. That would have been pretty common. And Paul wants them all to understand, no matter their life circumstances, that all who have received new life in Christ are being transformed and renewed as part of the new creation. Whatever they do, even if they're a slave. The same's true for you and for me. If you're a wife, a husband, a father, a child, a worker, whether paid or unpaid, the spirit of Christ is at work in us. We belong to the new creation, and Jesus is transforming every part of our life, including the work we do. Now, there's a phrase that Paul repeats a couple of times in this passage, and it's no surprise that the title of the talk uh, echoes it. It's whatever you do. And if Paul's repeating this, it really should get our attention. So the first time Paul says it, he's talking in the context of the church, the church gathering. The second time he says it, he's talking to the slaves uh, among his audience. But the point he makes each time is very similar. So let's look uh, at verse 17. And whatever you do, Paul says, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, Now skip down to verse 23. Whatever your task... Put yourselves into it as done for the Lord and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You serve the Lord Christ. These two ideas in verse 17 and verse 23 are closely related. Verse 17, whatever we do, we are to do in the name of the Lord. And in verse 23, whatever our task, do it as done for the Lord. 
So Paul's urging those of us who are in Christ to do all that we do in Jesus' name and for him. To do all that we do in Jesus' name and for him. Now, if someone does something in somebody else's name, they are, in effect, representing that person. Uh, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul likens this idea to the role uh, of an ambassador. Um, be worth checking out uh, for yourselves later on, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, an ambassador is appointed to represent a foreign sovereign. They provide a link between their host country, where they're based, and the country they represent, the country where they belong. And they're given authority to speak on their sovereign's behalf and represent the message of a leader who is not themselves present. So in Colossians 3, when Paul says in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, it's this image of an ambassador that he has in mind. All Christians are ambassadors, representing him wherever we are, whatever we do. So take a look again in Colossians 3. Uh, this time, just jump back to verse 11. Here Paul reminds the Colossians that there's no Gentile or Jew, no slave or free, only members of the body of Christ. So you might think that what you do isn't of value when compared to what other people do. Uh, you can think of that social setting. It gets very quickly to, oh, so what do you do? And then there's the comparison, isn't there? But that's not what Paul's saying. He's insistent. Whatever we do is valuable when it's done in Jesus' name. This would have been astonishing for the Christian slaves in Colossae to hear. Because what Paul was telling them was that all the meaning, menial, insignificant, seemingly inconsequential tasks that they did for their human masters day after day with such monotony and that had no seemingly repercussions outside the four walls of their master's house were in fact significant and consequential because they were done in the name of Jesus. Even in their low social position, they were representing the king of kings. How they conducted themselves reflected on their heavenly master. They could show their love for God and for others through their work. Cara Martin, Australian author of the Workship series of books, writes about people's responses when she's asked them the question, when did you first start thinking about how your faith relates to your work? And she asked this question one time at a Christian nurses conference and one of the attendees said in response, I first started thinking about that when I saw a painting and... It was this painting. She'd been moved by this painting of a nurse at work with Jesus standing behind her with his hand on her shoulder. It captures the truth that Jesus is always with us wherever we are and whatever we're doing. It helped this young nurse to realise that her work is important to God 
that Jesus is present in her workplace and that she can worship God through her work. Wherever she is, God is with her because he has promised to be with her. If you recall, this is part of the idea from last week's talk. And whatever this nurse is doing, she can do it in Jesus' name. Well, let's look more closely at verses 23 and 24, where Paul writes, Whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord, and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You serve the Lord Christ. Okay, so starting at the end, uh, the first thing to say here is that when we go about our day-to-day work, which we might do for our employer or a client or our family, we're ultimately serving Jesus. You serve the Lord Christ. There's no wiggle room there. In these verses, Paul is still talking to the slaves and he tells them that they're actually serving Jesus. If they were merely serving their human masters, they might be uh, tempted to just do enough to avoid a beating. But if they're serving the Lord Christ, this is why Paul exhorts them to put themselves into it. Well, if we're serving the Lord Christ, isn't that great motivation to put ourselves into it? And it's a response motivated by love and gratitude. The second thing we should notice here is Paul's basis for exhorting the Colossians to put themselves into it. Verse 24. Since you know... So he's not even telling them anything new, okay? He's just reminding them what they already know uh, and believe. Since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. The Colossians were to receive their ultimate reward, the inheritance from the Lord, not from man. And I think this really reveals who they're ultimately working for, the ultimate reward for their ultimate master. And it would be remiss of me uh, not to point out at this point that our reward is described as inheritance. It's not a wage. We're not getting paid for the work that we've done. We're actually receiving an inheritance because we're part of God's family. When I think about it, words can... They really struggle to do justice uh, to contrast the eternal inheritance that we'll receive as our reward with any remuneration we might receive now for the work that we do. It's incomparably bigger. And the context of eternity is the larger reality that gives perspective to everyday life and work now. The work we do in our everyday is ultimately done in the service of Jesus he will ultimately give us our reward. That's why we should put ourselves into it. It's the right and proper response to the knowledge that Jesus has endured God's wrath for our sin, that our life is now hidden with Christ, and that an eternal inheritance awaits us. So out of love, gratitude and obedience, we can seek to please him in all things. Another way of thinking about this is that uh, when we work with all our heart out of love and gratitude, 
we're worshipping God. It's possible to worship God each day in whatever we're doing. It might be secular work, but it's done with spiritual motives, just like that nurse was helped to think about with that painting. Well, what might this look like? Uh, Paul gives us an example in verse 22. Uh, Take a look with me. Uh, Verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, not only while being watched and in order to please them, but wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Well, the temptation to slack off isn't uh, when the boss isn't around and only put in an effort when we're going to be noticed uh, or whether it, when it gets us brownie points. It's just a relic of our old sinful self. And it's just as true for us today as it was when Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians. It's why we need Jesus to make us new. When we set our heart and our mind on the things above, when we fear the Lord, we will work for the Lord and do it with a sincere heart out of reverence. So let me share with you some of the ways people have been worshipping God in their everyday. Uh, Makoto uh, Fujimura is a leading contemporary artist, writer, and exemplar of the slow art movement in the United States. Uh, One critic has said uh, that the idea of forging a new kind of art about hope, healing, redemption, refuge, while maintaining visual sophistication and intellectual integrity, is a growing movement, one of which finds Makoto Fujimura's work at the vanguard. I rather like this work uh, from his Walking on Water series, You have to get the idea that the work is much larger than it appears there. And Fujimura himself has said, my work is the kingdom. It's new creation. I'm new creation. God is pruning and refining me to inspire, but whatever is left, my identity in Christ is the new creation. My job is to bring that out in my art. Well, I do recognise that fine art is not probably everyone's everyday or most people's everyday. So David Martinez owns a barber shop and David says, to listen to people, to be an ear, to create community, I think that's the purpose. Hopefully through the chair and through loving and understanding and listening to people, they would, to put it in Christian terms, see Christ through me, and they would see that and want to experience it for themselves. Uh, You might know the brand Patagonia. It's a multinational that specialises in outdoor clothing and climbing gear. They're also huge on uh, environmental and social responsibility. Uh, Phil Graves is one of their senior directors, and uh, Phil says you can be called to be a plumber or a fisherman or a venture capitalist. As long as you live your values and faith through what you do, that's what matters. We need more Christians to approach their work in this way and not decouple their faith from their vocation. If you want to think about how this might look in your everyday, uh, Tim Chester has written a really helpful book that he's cheekily titled The Everyday Gospel, Theology of Washing the Dishes. 
Now, in it, Chester explores how seemingly inconsequential tasks can point us and others to Jesus. His exploration considers how even washing the dishes, amongst many other examples, can be done to the glory of God as part of a whole life lived in sacrifice to him. Now, if you're not yet fast friends with the six M's from fruitfulness on the front line, I hope you're at least starting to get acquainted. I've found these six M's super helpful when thinking about tangible ways I can live for Jesus in my workplace. So let me just briefly remind you of them. Modelling godly character, making good work, ministering grace and love, moulding culture, being a mouthpiece for truth and justice and being a messenger of the gospel. It doesn't matter whether we're in school or a retirement home or anywhere in between, with thoughtfulness and prayer, all of us can appropriate what we do in our everyday lives to be Christ's ambassadors, to represent him and serve him out of love and gratitude. And hopefully uh, you'll find these six M's as helpful uh, as I have. The implication of us ultimately working for Christ in all that we do each day, whatever we do, is that we are Christ's hands and his feet to bring mercy and grace into our front lines. When we consider that it's Christ we're serving, we'll want to work with all our heart in ways that are distinctly motivated by worship of him. Well, hopefully by now you've realised that when he says, whatever you do, and then goes on to say something, Paul's concern is less about the what we do and more about the how we do it and the why we do it. So we've seen in this passage that Paul urges those of us who are in Christ to do all that we do in Jesus' name and for him. In Jesus' name and for him. You might feel like your work is not of much value, that it doesn't make any difference to anything. Or you might think that your work is worthwhile, that it it does make a material difference, but that it doesn't have anything to do with your life as a Christian. Well, In this passage, Paul is disabusing us of both of those ideas. Because firstly, whatever we do, whether in word or deed, as Paul says in verse 17, we do in Jesus' name, as his ambassadors. Therefore, even the seemingly small things we do are deeds that represent the King of Kings. And secondly, whatever our task, we're working for the Lord, Work isn't something that sits apart from our relationship with God. There's no divide between secular and spiritual. We undertake these seemingly secular activities on our front lines with spiritual motives. All that we do is an act of worship, a way of giving thanks to God. So I want to tell you about Maureen. Uh, Maureen is a cleaner and she's been a cleaner for as long as she can remember. Her aching joints are a constant reminder of the price she's paid for doing physical work for so long. Her days are filled with mundane, menial tasks. 
She scrubs a lot of toilets. She mops a lot of floors. She vacuums even more. And the dusting is endless. Occasionally, someone will pass Maureen while she's going about her work, seeming like they won't even notice she's there. And Maureen wonders what kind of important business they must be on. But then she turns her thoughts back to her cleaning. She smiles and starts singing to herself. She's so happy to be serving her king because not everyone gets to serve in Buckingham Palace. Maureen's work might not seem as grand as what some of the other people there do, but she's serving her sovereign, and that's more than enough. She knows that what she's been given to do reflects on her king, and so she works with all her heart. We're like Maureen. Wherever we are, whatever we do, it's the Lord Christ we're serving. We're representing the King of Kings on our front lines, and that's worth doing with all our heart. Please pray with me. Great God and Heavenly Father, thank you that you created us to be workers. Thank you that you've given us, each of us, different things to do. And whether we think it's important or menial, whether it's publicly visible or behind the scenes, paid or unpaid, whether it's acknowledged by others or completely unnoticed, it matters to you because we're ultimately doing it for you. In your great mercy, you saved us from death and gave us new life forever in your Son. Help us to respond with gratitude and love by working with all our heart as an act of worship, remembering that we're ultimately working for you, that we represent you in our work, and that it is from you that we will receive an internal inheritance. Amen. Well, some food for thought, uh, just uh, perhaps after the service over morning tea, uh, when you're chatting with one another, I like to think about this question. What's your least favourite task in your week? All the things you do, what's the least favourite? And what's your most favourite? To have a conversation with somebody, share those things, but then consider the question, how might the truth that you're serving the Lord Jesus change how you think about your least favourite and your most favourite tasks.